0: Are you ready? It's that
1: time! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season four episode, Who Cares, of Man, Buns, and Jesus. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Josh Laborious, and my co-host over there is Benjamin Olschlager, and we're here to share ranty wisdom. Well, hopefully it's wisdom. It's definitely going to get ranty, but uh, what do we got for him today, Ben?
0: So uh, I came across something a little while back, and my wife actually might remember the uh, the si- source better than I can off the top of my head because it was a podcast we were both listening to and uh the the focus of the the podcast was on kind of deprogramming not like undoing code, but like undoing the the very program centered nature of our churches, where like we're like we're struggling in this area. Well, there must be a program we can do to fix that um. But it was it was talking about how we deprogram the 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 lives of our churches, and they specifically cited how difficult that is through a study that was done about fifteen to twenty years ago by one of the the large mega churches, uh, evangelical non-denom mega churches in the Midwest, um, and the results were if you want a child to grow up in the faith this was about how uh, we develop young christians and the results were if you want a child to grow up in the faith um, they need to be regularly participating in prayer in service in worship um, in study of scripture and they need to have spiritual mentors outside their parents Um, and the final thought on that was we can't make any money off of this. We can't like program our way out of this. So how do we, how do we do anything with this? And then they just kind of tossed the results and went back to continuing to use the kinds of programs that they had been using to to build up their uh build up their church and all that's really saying is we like to have a neat answer for the things that we're doing we like to be able to say oh we're struggling with youth retention well here's a youth program that we can stick to that will keep our people involved and invested here's a uh we're struggling with with numbers here's an evangelism program that we can do um here's a uh we're struggling with who knows what here's something else we can do program wise to make that better and the reality is all of the research that josh and i have seen in our time studying in seminary in our time as pastors and in the conferences we've been to it all says one very simple truth that if we want our churches to thrive, if we want our, our, our members to be faithful Christians, the thing that they got to do is they got to invest. They got to invest themselves, their lives, their, their time, their talents, their treasures into serving Christ. And I think today the the idea is to just kind of like give you some ideas of what that might look like, give you some places that are often criminally underserved in that regard in your churches, and then like also recognize this isn't necessarily your fault. This is how the church, especially in the United States, has operated for, I don't know, decades. So kind of unwiring that is gonna be a difficult situation. Josh, where do you wanna jump off from there? Hold on. Josh is counting something.
1: I'm I'm gonna stop counting. Um, If you're like, what research have you guys really done? I have a six page bibliography for you with over 75 sources and I'm happy to send it to you. And you can read all these articles. Cause they they all, they all say it. Yeah. And if you look at the church, the example from the early church, they said like, they weren't setting up programs. They were building relationships and they were being Christians together. And they were growing uh-huh. from that. And those lists list of things that Ben said for retaining people up in the faith, um, how many of those happen in a church setting versus how many of those are something you have to step up and do at home, um, especially if you're talking about your kid. Daily devotions, you don't have a pastor who's going to come to your house and do daily devotions. They might provide resources for you to do that, but you're the one who has to read them. You're the one who has to press play. If you're if you're praying with your kids, you have to be the one who sits and says, we are going to pray now. You have to pray with them um, with service. Like, yeah, there are going to be some opportunities through your church, but like, ultimately you, and I, I don't know where this mentality came from that. We're going to pay people to do all this for us. We're going to pay and we're going to get this program and it's just going to be automatic. No, you got to do it. Like with evangelism, okay? If if you want your church to grow, if you are genuinely desiring for your church to grow, you have to sack up. Go to your neighbor, go to your friend and say, you should come to church. And we've talked about this before. Your pastor cannot grow your church for you. They don't. I have been here for almost three years and I am just starting to get a couple relationships where they might care enough about what I have to say that they would take an invitation from me seriously because you're not asking for them to just join some club or do some activity. You're asking them to change their worldview, to change their life. And that doesn't all happen at once. That, that happens a little bit at a time, but it's like, that has to, that has to come from a friend. That has to come in, a, in the context of a relationship. And it's somewhere along the line, the role of pastor got expanded to be gigantic. And you'll see this on Facebook all the time. It's like people want their pastor to be a good preacher, to be a good listener, to be a good counselor. it's like, okay, we're good so far. To be good with money, to be good with organizational charts, to be good at writing constitutions, to be good at hiring and firing people, to be good at organizing building projects and getting like the list gets longer and longer and long to be the janitor, to be the fill-in, to be all sorts of these different things and it's like if you want your church to succeed you need skin in the game if you want your church to grow you have to invite people if you want discipleship to be better at your church you have to get involved with it like you don't just get to sit it it, this isn't a consumer thing you don't just get to sit back and enjoy it right you have to put in work um not as much as your pastor right? They're full-time. They do, they do dedicate ministry all the time, but if it is up to one person, it's, you're not going to see it grow. You're not going to see it take off. And it's an attitude that drives me insane because that has never been something my family, like I have four brothers, none of whom are, uh, Professional church workers are going, well, one of them is going to be a Lutheran school teacher. So professional church work um, in a Lutheran school. They are very involved in their churches. They go to group, And for a lot of it, like, it's as simple as showing up. It's as simple as attending. Like, we're not asking you to move mountains. We're asking you to show up. Um, Show up to worship. Join a small group. Like, these really ultimately are not huge things. But if you think, oh, all the discipleship is going to happen on Sunday morning, it's like you're there for what two hours. You're getting more discipled by the Netflix show you're binging than you are church. Are you kidding me? Um, Oh man, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, here's the thing: we when we started this podcast, we kind of. Whether we liked it or not, we're trying to push back on this idea ourselves a little bit. Like, hey, if we just put more content out there that get people thinking about their Christian faith, maybe it'll help, like, push back against some of the other stuff that they, they run into on a day-to-day basis. And the more we thought about it, the more that we've kind of wrestled with, the more we're like, we can't force anyone to do anything. I mean, we could. We could just start dropping a minor ban on people that we thought were not invested. That's like refusing communion for the people that we thought weren't invested in our church. But like, Culturally, we've gotten to the point where that's not going to fly. We've made it.
1: We are a culture of lukewarm Christians. Yeah. If you are satisfied just to show up on Sunday morning, and that's it. That's not enough. I'm telling you right now, it's not enough. You you are called to do more, to be more involved. Like, church shouldn't just be something you do. It's part of who we are. Like, if you if you look back at the early church, they were together as often as they could be. And it wasn't uh we're going to do this formal, it wasn't a program. It was, we're just going to get together and spend time together and hang out. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go grab lunch. We're going to have a dinner together. We're going to be at each other's houses and that really is as and i I've, I've had this if i were to name a church and i don't know that i'll ever have this opportunity but if i were to name a church i would name it the third place and that is it's i don't know who came up with this idea but it it's this idea that Um, and I think the church used to be a third place, where you had your home was the first place, work was the second place, and then church was the third place, and somewhere where you would just go. You didn't need a reason to go to church. You just kind of went, and if I had the resources to do it, I would create a church that was a space where people would just go to hang out, where you'd be like, you know what? We're not going to go straight home today. We're going to go hang out at the church for a little while. There's nothing going on. You're just going to hang out at church. You're going to hang out with other Christians. It's as easy as that uh, to kind of break out of our our individualistic silos a little bit and and just be with each other as Christians. Um, And if you're in my church, you've heard this before. I just hang out with other Christians. Like, I'm not asking for a ton, I don't think. Right, just spend time with these people that presumably you get along with, presumably you like. You're operating on the same wavelength. Um, and related to this is, and this is some wisdom that I received from my big supervisor, because there was something at the church. They were starting. They were they were starting the comfort dog ministry, which for anyone who's not familiar, the comfort dog ministry is. Wildly expensive, and takes a lot of dedication from a lot of people. And one of their rules—it's not a hard rule, but it's so-called a guideline—is that the leaders of the ministry should not be called workers; they should not be employees of the church. Okay. So this, and the person who was spearheading the Comfort Dog Ministry had moved. They had left the the state. They, they weren't there anymore. And no one was stepping up. And the question was, well, what now? And my senior said something that stuck with me. He said, if no one is going to step up, then obviously it's not important enough to anyone. So maybe it just dies. Not the dog. There wasn't a dog yet. Maybe the ministry idea dies. And that's I've shared with some of our classmates who who have called me for advice. They're feeling really overwhelmed because they feel like they have to do everything. And I'm like, listen, at some point you pick the ministry that you think is important. Like you, you know, you have your, uh, I was, I was about to say 40 hours a week, but none of us only work 40 hours a week. You have your 50, 55 hours a week that you work and you say, this is what I'm going to fill that time with. And you, for the most part, you pick what you think is important. And what you think is is necessary, so you have, obviously, you have, like, sermon writing and sermon prep. You have maybe the Bible studies you do. Maybe you have the sermon. Uh, Hopefully, you have some youth and children's ministry in there because that is, and we're probably going to get there at some point today. But then, if it doesn't fit, you drop it. And if no one picks it up, then obviously, the congregation doesn't think it's important enough that it is getting done. And if you're hearing that as a congregation member and you're like, no, I think this is really important. If it's not important enough for you to put your skin in the game, it's not important enough for your pastor to do it. Other than those things that he is saying, like, this is filling the time. And I think that's a hard way But as you are listening, for those of you who are listening and your congregation members. What is important enough at your church for you to put skin in the game? for you to take your time and put the stress and the work in to do it. And if you're not willing to put something in, then as far as I'm concerned, you have no right to be mad if it doesn't happen. With the exception of what your pastor is called to do, which is word and sacrament ministry, to preach and to teach and to do the sacraments. Like at its core, that's what we are called to do. And some call documents will have a couple other things on them. But, like, those are the things that, yes, it is reasonable to expect that your pastor takes 100% of the responsibility for those things. That is reasonable. But if you're like, well, I, I think we should really have uh, a program that does social ministry. Well, step up and and help and maybe you're not gifted with the ability to lead it but step up and do what you can right yeah this is if you can't tell this is a rant that this is something that bothers me a lot it's an attitude that bothers me a lot when i see it like oh we'll just have the someone else will do it no yep And I, like I'll tell you, for me, the things that are important that like I I would say are important enough that I'm gonna sink my time in, whether or not it's part of my call. So th- there's the call stuff, the preaching, teaching, sacraments, um, youth ministry for me. That is something that even if no one steps up, I will step into that gap because I think it's critically important. And I also mm-hmm. think it's it's an important part of, of what I do is to build the relationships with the youth where I can be their pastor. Um,
0: worth noting, the, uh, the stats say that if you don't have your hooks into someone by the age of 13, chances of them being a lifelong Christian, way lower. Yeah. And if you don't have the end by 24, it's almost nothing.
1: Yeah, the what most of the statistics point to is whatever religious practice someone is in when they turn 24, for the overwhelming majority of people, we're talking 80, 90%, that is going to be the practice for the rest of their life. So if you are 24 and you never go to church, you're probably not going to start If you're 24 and you only go on Christmas and Easter, you're probably only going to go on Christmas and Easter. If you're 24 and you go to church whenever you can, that's probably the practice you're going to be in for the rest of your life. So, yeah, so youth, youth and kid ministry, that is something that if no one else would, those are gaps I would be willing to step into. But a lot of the rest of the stuff if no one's willing to step up and do it, I am willing to let it die. And if you're panicking right now and you're like, well, what about? Well, then you better step up. Because that's my list. And the rest, if I can get to it, I'll get to it. And admittedly, I can I can get to a lot. Um, but if I don't get to it, I don't get to it. And yeah. I think I'm done with my rant. I think I'm done.
0: You think you're done?
1: I think I'm done. Okay. I mean
0: let's I'm going to to provide a little bit of of reprieve from maybe how harsh our rant has gotten. Worth noting, if you are spending time with your family discussing the faith, that counts.
1: Yes, that's discipleship. That's the most that important is, discipleship you could do.
0: That is a great opportunity for discipleship. Whether your family is you and a handful of kids, or if it's you and your spouse, if it's you and an elderly parent, if it's you and you, like that's great. That's a great place to start. Um if you are spending time in your week um like helping out a neighbor or uh, we've got a couple of people at my church that can't drive, and there's a rotation of of their friends that helps them get to church. If you are taking time out of your week to do that, great that is an excellent use of your time and there's an excellent way to invest in in caring for the church um If you take time out of your week to just go have lunch with someone that you know from church and get to know them a little better, so that when times get hard, you actually know the people you're serving, that's an incredible investment of your time. Um, like, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a ton. It'll feel hard at the beginning because you're breaking bad habits. But there are things that we can do that are so easy that that move us towards being a better body of Christ. And on some of the more intimidating things like evangelism, like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just invite people to church and say, hey. I think this is important and I want to share it with you. It doesn't have to get more complicated than that. You should probably know your your theology well enough that if they start asking you like confirmation level questions, you have a decent answer ready, but like you don't have to know everything off the bat. And even if you have to say, I think it's this, but I'm going to go go check on something real quick to make sure that I'm not giving you an answer that's more confusing than it needs to be, great. But like, the heavy lifting is the invitation in the first place, not the teaching. So don't let the teaching intimidate you.
1: And it's worth noting that teaching, that's one of the things your pastor is called for.
0: Yeah, we're so, happy to do that part. Yeah,
1: if you get the invitation and you bring, like, if you were to bring in someone on Sunday morning and say, "Hey, this person's interested," but they got a lot of questions, I'd be like, "Oh, well, then let's schedule a lunch. Let's get like let's sit down. Yeah. And we'll come like, yes, so that's yeah call. Um, yeah, it starts it starts at home, and Lutheran Hour Ministry did some really cool research with Barna. Um, about what it takes to be a spiritual household and kind of what it takes to raise kids in the faith and, and the outcomes for that. And a big part of it, first of all, was having people over hospitality. It was just having people over regularly. And another part of it was having spiritual conversations to, you know, sit down on a Sunday afternoon, on even just for dinner on Sunday. And asking, well, what did you guys think of the sermon today? Like, what did you, what did you learn? What did, how did it impact you? Like that, those kind of questions. Um, Which, if you've never done them before, it's going to be a little weird. It might be a little awkward. That's okay. It will be less awkward the more you do it. Um, My my wife can attest to that. After almost every sermon I preach, I ask her, "What do you think of the sermon?" what was my point um i don't think it makes her super uncomfortable anymore she feels like it's a test and i'm like no i mean if it is a test it's for me because if i didn't get a point across that i meant to get across well clearly i should have written a better sermon um so it's fair yeah
0: i like a couple of things from my childhood we didn't we didn't necessarily do daily devotions we didn't necessarily have a ton of like deep spiritual conversations, but my dad usually had a pretty good sense for like when we needed to talk life and he'd take me out for a cup of coffee or he'd get coffee, I'd get hot cocoa and we'd talk life. Um, And he did do the the goofy little like on Sundays on the way home from church we couldn't have whatever we were stopping to get on the way home unless we gave him one thing we learned from the sermon um and throughout the week we would do these uh quizzes in the newspaper and when we didn't have them on the weekends we'd sometimes pull out a book full of of bible-based quizzes to test our, our knowledge of scripture and like it didn't take a whole lot, but it, it got us motivated to, to go learn more because we wanted to be the one that got most of the questions right the next time we did a quiz. And by doing that, you're, you're drinking in scripture, you're growing in your understanding, and more of the pieces fit together. And it's just a beautiful thing to, like, kind of experience your faith growing in in that way that you're able to better respond to questions about the sermon you're better able to respond to questions about faith and life and the complicated nature of what's going on in the world um you know my mom would grill me on on memory quizzes when I was driving to school i went to a, a christian school for the entirety of my uh my free call it well even through college but
1: I was about to say malpas
0: yeah Still. uh, but like through high school still had memory work, and as long as my mom was driving me, she would quiz me on it um, those things are valuable that investment is valuable. Don't undersell it
1: yeah. and the re- the resources are out there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but it's it's one of those situations, like especially if you're a member at at Edgewater, although if you're a member of Good Shepherd, you guys are free to use these resources too. We have a ton of stuff. I have literally hundreds of daily devotional videos available online. Mm -hmm. Um, Not as many, but a lot of written devotions as well, walking through different books, and they're short. There are a few paragraphs at most, these written devotions. We have the podcast that we put out. Um, All these resources But it's one of those situations you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. Especially today, devotional resources are there. They're easily accessible. If you have your phone, you can download the Lutheran Hour Ministry app and they will have a a daily devotion for you every single day. Um, There, you can download the catechism if you want to just read through that. You can download the bio. All of these are free resources. They're all out there. It's really, really easy to do. But you have to do it. No one is gonna do it for you. Um, and it, it's it's the same thing with a lot of men. Like I can I can say community is important until I'm blue in the face. And I have, and I will continue to do so. But the reality is. If you don't go out and and hang out with other Christians, like, I can't make you. I'm not going to come to your house and drag you out and drag you, unless you are having a really tough time and you need someone to drag you out of your funk, then, yes, I'll drag you out and we'll go, we'll grab a drink or something. (laughs) Short of that, like, we have a, we're doing a church, just a community thing. We're going to a hockey game at the end of the month. I can't force you to go to a hockey game. I'll be there, but I can't force you to go. I'm not gonna kidnap you. That's illegal. I can't do that.
0: Yeah. The circling back to your point about how many resources there are to that you can use to get invested. The um, there's one of the podcasts I, I listen to a lot. It's called the Holy Post. And one of the um main guys writes a daily devotion that he advertises as being for people who hate daily devotions. Oh, good. Yeah. It's called with God daily. And it's like, it's rather than the like sappy, super sentimental, like typical stuff that you find in devotions. Um, It's like his reflections on life and his random interests and how they tie into scripture. And it's awesome. And like, if you think that you've tried everything that there is to try, you haven't brushed the surface because there are ways to help you grow in scripture. You just got to look in the right places. And so if you're, if you find yourself like, struggling with some of that come to us as a resource for the resources we usually have a pretty good idea of what you can look for but again like josh said we can't make you do it you got to take that step
1: yeah a lot of times when it comes to discipleship when it comes to faith and this the original topic for this episode right is um this idea that we have offloaded so much of our church stuff so much of our religion stuff so much of our discipleship stuff on the people we pay to do ministry on full-time church workers um but regardless whether it's a DCE whether it's a pastor whatever if you like we can we can equip you we can put you right there we can give you all the resources in the world we can connect you we can talk to you we can't do it for you like for youth ministry, we cannot make your kids come to youth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can. You can drive them there. You can drop them off. And it's, e- it's either they go to youth or they walk home, right? Uh, when it comes to discipling, your, when it comes to your Bible study, like we can give you all these resources. I We can't do it for you. Um, when it comes to the church growing, we can't do it for you. All of these things. We Uh can teach you about it. We can give you advice. We can guide you. We can equip you. We can do all of those things. We cannot do it for you. And on behalf of all professional church workers everywhere, you need to understand that. Because we desperately want it for you right? I desperately, if you are a member of my congregation, I desperately want you to be growing in your faith and growing in your discipleship. So it is incredibly difficult for us when you ask us to do it for you, because we are going to try and we can't. Um, So acknowledge that. It, and uh, maybe rec- like maybe do some self-reflection and recognize where you've been asking your pastor to do things that ultimately you have to do yourself. Um, that's, yeah. And if you're gonna say anything to your pastor about it uh, and he's not one of us, oh, please credit this podcast. I'd love to get a text from a pastor saying, my parishioner just came up to me today and like, apologize for asking me to do things that they really need to do themselves and like committed to doing those things i would love to give that text that would make my day
0: yeah and i i'm sitting here at the same time thinking i love to imagine a world where i have members that spend time in scripture if not daily like 3 to 5 times a week and just are regularly invested in studying their bibles getting to know them a little better that they are regularly invested in uh cultivating relationships with those in their church community that are outside of their bubble that they are regularly invested in uh spending time getting to know their neighbors not just the, the ones that are part of the church, but the ones that aren't, the ones that are a part of our, our neighborhoods here, our preschool down the hallway. Um, I would love that. I would love if every member or every family in my congregation invited one person or one family to church, even if it was once every like three years imagine how the church would grow in its knowledge its understanding its service its size if each of us just took those small steps
1: yeah i did the math at one point and it was a while back so the numbers might have changed um but it took less than four iterations of people sharing the gospel and everyone in the world would have heard it. Like, it, And what I mean by that is if you take the, the population of the Christian church, everyone who is, who is a professing Christian and they were all to share the gospel once, you have doubled it. And then you have that number and you say, okay, now everybody share it again. You double it again. And then everybody share it one more time. And you've doubled it again. And everyone who's already a Christian, you have now shared it what, three, four times? I don't I don't remember how many times I did that. But it's four times. If you were in that first wave, you've now shared it three times. In the next wave, twice. The next wave, once, and then you have the last wave. From where the Christian population is now, if you were to do that, you have covered the entire population of the world. Now I'm I'm not naive enough to think that just because you share the gospel with someone means that they are going to uh, become a Christian, and that's where the the math isn't as clean. But I think sometimes we overthink it. Like if for the people at Edgewater, if every one of you was to reach out to someone close to you and bring you to, bring them to church, we go from a congregation who's averaging between sixty and seventy on a Sunday to a congregation who's averaging one hundred and forty. 120 to 140 on a Sunday? Like, it's... And that... You just have to invite one person. Like, surely you can... Surely everyone can do that. You can find one person that you're like, hey, come to church with me? Like, I think sometimes... I am
0: serious, know. and don't call me Shirley.
1: Boo. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the the like this plays into the heart of it all there are I don't know what the numbers are at your church membership wise and I've got a like kind of quasi transient population we're we're in a place where a lot of people have cabins they spend the summer up north or they have winter homes and they Spend their winters down south. Um, So hard to know exactly what the numbers of members are here. But
1: I have 88 members.
0: I'll call it. 200 people that are either annually or seasonally active. And. If all of them invested in their faith a little bit more or not even all of them the ones that spent more time on the sidelines invested a little bit more in their faith we could convert the neighborhood in a matter of months that's me being a little bit hyperbolic but like
1: but only a little bit that's the thing
0: yeah and like i'm we're studying acts in, in my midweek bible study right now and we don't necessarily have the same uh, miraculous dispensation of the spirit that the the apostles got on pentecost but it's fresh in my thinking right now and it's worth noting it took 12 guys 6 to 8 hours to make thousands of disciples.
1: Granted they they had some additional advantages. Yes. But
0: but Let's be let's be incredibly generous to them and the advantages that Christ was giving them and incredibly disadvan uh, dis Disgenerous to us, whatever the word is there.
1: Stingy? I don't know. Harsh? I don't know. Anyway, continue.
0: We could do the same thing. It might take six to eight years rather than six to eight hours. but you could turn a you could turn a community on its head pretty quick if everybody in every church in your community bought in you could turn states on their head if everybody in every church and every community bought in and it wouldn't even take that much investment Outside of what people are already doing, it would just take them actually stepping out in faith to do what God is asking them to do and reframing some of the things that they do do so that they're more serving God instead of serving themselves or serving something else. Yep. Rant over.
1: Rant over. I think we're done. I feel diffused.
0: Yeah. So brothers and sisters in Christ, some takeaways here. And and I'll go first because I feel like Josh is going to end us with a nice, like, cherry on top here.
1: Oh, I hope so. I'll do my best.
0: But I think my key takeaway, first and foremost, is just get off the sidelines. Like, if church is just something you do to do it. That's you're kind of missing the point. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're hearing the gospel. Because I want you in heaven too. But God calls you to love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you investing in that
1: way? And, and my takeaway for you is just to keep in mind that all the professional church workers in your life, we want to do everything we can to support you in your faith and discipleship. And we will do everything we can to support you, but we cannot do it for you. With that, uh, share this podcast if you think it was helpful, if you think it's worth sharing. Um, this, I think, would be a, a good... <laughs> Share this in honor of Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, So you you can share it. If you can give us a rating on Spotify or Apple, like whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we are on uh, all the big ones. Give us a rating. Uh, Hopefully a good one. That's what we're we're shooting for here. Um, That'll help the podcast. That helps us with whatever algorithms suggest podcasts to people. And, um, and we'd appreciate that. And if you have a topic you want us to tackle, if you want a guest that you want us to have on, you can just let us know. If you don't have our personal contact information, we do have a Facebook page. You can use that to contact us. And, uh, I think that's all I got for you. So with that, brothers and sisters, no in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.